This podcast was first broadcast on 92.6 FM Radio Verulam. Go to radioverulam.com to find more Environment Matters podcasts and, if you enjoy what we do, to find out how you can support the station, which is run entirely by volunteers. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Welcome to Environment Matters with me, Amanda Yorworth. Environment Matters is the show that brings you news on issues of sustainability and the environment from around St Albans and from further afield. Now, the IPCC special report on climate change and land back in 2019 estimated that agriculture was directly responsible for about 8.5% of all greenhouse gas emissions and 10% of those in the UK. And with an ever-growing global population and the challenge to reach net zero becoming ever more urgent, it's essential that we work out how to produce enough food for everyone whilst protecting the climate. Add to that the need to reverse the biodiversity crisis and allow essential natural ecosystems to thrive. Well, you can see we've got some huge and seemingly conflicting problems on our hands. Organisations like Harpenden's Rothamsted Research have been working on different aspects of this problem for a while now. And here on Environment Matters, we've heard from Rothamsted scientists about the groundbreaking research that they've been involved in. But their efforts have been boosted recently by funding for an ambitious new project. Rothamsted is a major partner in a new £13 million programme that will work with UK farmers to produce low-carbon, environmentally friendly food. Rothamsted will work with UKCEH, the British Geological Survey, the National Centre for Earth Observation and Plymouth Marine Laboratory in this new £13.8 million programme, which is jointly funded by the Natural Environment Research Council and the Biotechnology and Biological Sciences Research Council. It's called Ag Zero Plus and it will bring together researchers and farmers to test ideas, not just in the lab or in a few fields, but across whole farms and farming regions. I spoke to Rothamsted's Dr Jonathan Storkey to find out more. I started by asking him whether he thought it was even possible to produce nutritious food, as well as reducing greenhouse gas emissions and pollution, while at the same time enhancing biodiversity and soil health, an approach known as Net Zero Plus. Isn't that an awful lot of conflicting targets? Might the project be chasing an impossible dream? Um, We don't think so. Um, Perhaps the best way to answer that is to highlight that we've tended to think about delivering uh, food from farms and delivering environmental goods or clean air and water and biodiversity as two conflicting things. It's an either or. But increasingly, we're realising that without having that healthy ecosystem and that healthy environment, it's not possible to keep producing food sustainably. So a lot of that uh, biodiversity that we're looking to increase and enhance is contributing to food production through controlling crop pests and uh, pollinating crops. And by investing, if you like, in healthy soils, that will also support crop production. So what we're trying to emphasise is that, yes, it's ambitious in terms of trying to um, encourage multifunctional farming, but actually that multifunctionality is necessary to make those systems sustainable and um, to keep producing food. 
Well, that, that sounds like good news. So can you give us a few examples of the kind of things that you will be looking into, some of your particular areas of research? So the, the focus of the project is on trying to achieve a net zero farming in that balancing uh, greenhouse gas emissions with potentially the capture, capture of carbon in the soil. So can we manage farming systems in a way that isn't contributing to greenhouse gases? And there's a whole range of different options that we can look at to try and achieve that. Perhaps the biggest contribution of agriculture to greenhouse gases is via inorganic nitrogen fertilisers through uh, the manufacture of those fertilisers, which uses a lot of fossil fuels. And then when we apply those fertilisers to the fields, they they also emit um, nitrous oxides and greenhouse gases. So perhaps the the, uh, most immediate way we can reduce the greenhouse gas footprint of agriculture is trying to reduce the reliance on those inorganic fertilisers. So that might mean using more legumes in our crop rotations. It might mean uh, under-sowing cereals with a legume like clover, for example. Um, It might mean integrating livestock into arable rotations. But there, of course, you've got to uh, balance that with the methane emissions from the livestock. So there are a a range of options that people are looking at. A, A lot of them are already being done on farms. And we're particularly keen to work with those innovative farmers who are exploring different ways of of growing their crops. Okay, so you mentioned there the emissions from animal production and meat eaters do come under criticism for the high environmental impact of meat production. Do you have any hope that you'll be able to bring that carbon footprint Uh, on other environmental impacts of meat production down to a sustainable level? Uh, We we do. It's not um, the main focus of uh, Ag Zero Plus, although we're looking at livestock systems and how we can improve the efficiency of livestock systems. Our site down at Northwick um, has a lot of research on that and particularly how you can improve the efficiency of each individual animal. So really... uh, having that attention to detail of the, um, the the flock of sheep you've got or the herd of cows you've got and making sure they're as efficient as possible in terms of the production of meat and reducing the greenhouse gas emissions. But we are interested in how you can um, integrate livestock and crop production such that you can close nutrient cycles. So one of the problems we have in the UK is that uh, all of the livestock production is down in the southwest and all the grassland is in the southwest with not so much uh, arable cropping and in the southeast we've got lots of arable crops but not necessarily with the livestock so in the southwest there's a problem of uh, pollution from manures and as you say excessive greenhouse gas emissions from the livestock in the southeast the large cropping areas we've actually got a problem with uh, low organic matter in the soil so we have a lack of organic matter and and farmyard manures are a good source of that which is compromising the health and the functionality of those soils so one uh, way we can make farming systems more sustainable is perhaps have more of a mixed farming model where we integrate the livestock into the the cropping uh, in a way that makes the whole system more efficient so we're not necessarily taking a position of we need to have less livestock But what we're looking at is how you integrate those livestock into systems in a way that's more 
efficient for nutrient use and reducing greenhouse gases. Okay. Now, um, you've mentioned soils a couple of times already, and I can imagine people at Rothamsted um, being absolutely delighted that at last, with the mention of things like regenerative agriculture, at last we're talking about soil health. Is this going to be an important part of the research? You, you've mentioned the fertilisers, the manures. Are there other areas that you're going to be looking at as far as soils go? Yes, so the whole area of soil organic matter or soil organic carbon is incredibly topical at the moment because there's uh, this idea that agricultural land may be able to make a large contribution to removing carbon from the atmosphere. So if you can capture that carbon through photosynthesis from, from plants and then effectively incorporate it or capture it into the soils, then your agricultural soils and farmland soils represent a large sink of carbon that we could potentially use to mitigate climate change. And that will be a a big part of uh, Ag Zero Plus of the project is quantifying how different farming systems are performing in terms of um, achieving that potential to capture carbon. So the, the obvious way to do it is to plant trees on, on your cropland, but that's not necessarily the best way because it means you sacrifice food production. But there are other ways within the cultivated land uh, by potentially using amendments or reducing tillage to increase your soil carbon. So, yes, that will be a large part of the project. OK, so... You, the, this research is not just going to be happening in your labs there at Rothamsted. Um, it's also going to be happening out on farms. Do you have any trouble recruiting farmers for this? Are they keen to take part in research? Are they able to do the things that are necessary then to help with this research? Um, yes. Yeah, so we're just at the start of the project and we're beginning to now scope out the network of farms that we'll work with. Um, there are there is a reasonable amount of uptake of these innovations that you called regenerative agriculture. There's a lot of interest in that. That generally involves reduced tillage, um, use of cover crops, perhaps growing more legumes in the rotation. So there is a lot of interest in those approaches in uh, the farming community. And there are plenty of farmers doing that. And what we want to do in the project is engage with those innovative farmers who want to try these more uh, sustainable and regenerative practices. And the contribution we can make is to come onto their farms and and directly measure things like greenhouse gas emissions from the field, like uh, the biodiversity on the farm, um, and provide the underpinning evidence to demonstrate which of those practices works, you know, which of those practices is actually making a significant contribution to meeting those multiple outcomes of farming that we want to achieve. Okay. Inevitably, something like this is going to require the collection of a lot of data, like you've explained there, to know actually which of these practices really working. How will you collect all this data? Um, So we've got some different approaches. Obviously, we'll have the traditional uh, field team going out and directly measuring things on farms. Um, But we're also going to make use of what we call citizen science. So ask um, farmers to do very simple protocols or collect data themselves or or even the general public using farmland as uh, for recreation or walking. Can we use apps or can we use data from mobile phones to capture what we might call broad shallow data. 
and that doesn't really that doesn't have that very focused scientific rigor rigor but because of the amount of data that you're collecting via these apps um, is very useful to answering some of our questions um, and then uh, we're working with uh, another institute uk center for ecology and hydrology and they have a lot of expertise in using satellite data to uh, quantify some of these outcomes like greenhouse gas emissions like carbon capture and of course, that gives you an opportunity to uh, capture lots of data at large scale. So, I mean, we really are running out of time as far as reduction of our greenhouse gas emissions go. The, you know, the recent heat wave is illustrating that really climate change is very much here and happening. How do you hope that this data will be used? How do you hope that it will be quickly implemented so we can start making the reductions that we really need? I think uh, it's fair to say that the technologies are there. So if, if, if we wanted to reduce emissions from, from agriculture, we know the kind of approaches we need to be um, adopting. And we've been talking about those, the regenerative approaches in terms of reducing tillage, diversifying rotations, reducing inorganic fertilizer inputs. The, the, the challenges are really in how you transition to those more sustainable systems um, and that's to do with it, the economics and how we how we incentivize those changes and how we support farming businesses in moving towards those more sustainable regenerative practices. So um, you may know something about the discussion around the new subsidy schemes for environmental goods and services that farmers can apply for um, following our leaving, leaving the EU. We now have a new framework for subsidizing those environmental goods and services and as part of that there will be opportunities to um, incentivize some of these good practices that will contribute to um, ag zero farms and more sustainable farms but yes it remains to be seen and how are you personally feeling about the challenges that agriculture is facing are you thinking um, an absolute mountain we're not going to manage this or are you hopeful no, I'm hopeful because of the the attitudes in the in the farming uh, community. So it, it it's not as if farmers are being kicked, are being dragged kicking and screaming. It, it, it's they they want to explore and adopt these more regenerative practices, um, and so I th- I think there is a there is a consensus, both you know scientifically and from policy and from the practitioners in terms of the direction that we should be moving. So because we're all facing in the same direction, I am reasonably optimistic that we'll see some some significant changes in the next decade or so. Well, that's excellent news. John Stalkey, thank you very much indeed for telling us about that. Pleasure. I was talking there to Dr John Stalkey of Rothamsted Research. Of course, changing the way we produce food is only one of the ways that we can reduce the environmental impact of our food. I told you at the start of the show how 10% of the UK's emissions are from agriculture. A report from the Food Waste charity RAP back in 2019 showed that nearly 160 megatons of carbon dioxide emissions are associated with the UK food system. That's equivalent to around 35% of the UK territorial emissions. So whilst the scientists and farmers are working hard to bring down the environmental impact of our food at their end, we, the consumers, have got a huge part to play as well. Cutting down on food waste really should be a no-brainer. 
I don't know about you, but I find it's helpful to occasionally take a look at resources on how to waste less food, just to give me a bit of a nudge into wasting less and uh, give me some fresh ideas. If you search for food waste on the podcast page of RadioVerulam.com and find the interview in the Countdown to Cop series that Radio Verulam's Nick Hazel recorded with Caroline Wilson, you'll hear, hear there plenty of practical advice about keeping food waste out of the bin. And love, food, hate, waste. Well, that's a marvellous source of information and inspiration on cutting food waste. It's got useful things like portion sizes for different foods so that you can make sure that you're cooking just the right amount and don't end up with lots of waste. It's also got lots of tasty recipes for all kinds of leftovers. And whilst those Rosenstead scientists are working hard to bring down the environmental footprint of meat, it's still high, particularly for red meat. So having some meat-free meals is another great way that we can help bring down the environmental impact of our food. Go to the podcast page of RadioVerulam.com where you'll find my interview with local food author Becky Alexander. Now, the show is called Saving the Planet One Lunch at a Time and Becky has some great tips for delicious veggie lunches from her book, The Green Lunch Box. And you'll find the book in Books on the Hill and Waterstones in St Albans. I'm going to be back at the same time next week, but until then, thank you for listening. <laughs>